Well, good morning, OCC family, and welcome to everyone who's joining in online. Uh, you know, this is our first ever online service, and we are so excited uh, that you have chosen to make worship a priority today, even in the midst of everything that's going on uh, here in our own community, in our state, our country, and around the world. Uh, you know, we are a church that is choosing faith over fear. That's what we want to be about. And even though we can't meet uh, collectively here in this physical location, uh, we're together in our individual homes. We're going to worship together today. We're going to hear from God's word. It's going to be a good day. You know, I have been so blessed uh, to be able to serve as a pastor, serving God in and through the local church for the past 12 years. Uh, We've served churches in Oklahoma, Indiana, and now here in our home in Wisconsin. And over the years... Uh, you know, serving in youth and family ministry, and now uh, as a senior pastor, I've learned that there are some topics uh, that are much easier to preach on than others. So, for example, some of the topics that I think are pretty easy to preach on are topics like uh, finding our joy in Christ. Uh, That's something I enjoy preaching on. Also, the, the mission of the local church You know, how we're all meant to be kingdom workers, using the various gifts that God has given us uh, to serve others and advance the gospel. Also, how to encourage others well. You know, we can't come together as the body of Christ this morning, but there are still ways that we can encourage one another uh, from our own homes, whether it's through Facebook, text, email. There are ways that we can continue to encourage one another. So whether you're from Oklahoma like I am or or born and raised in Wisconsin, it doesn't take long uh, for anyone to realize that the world we live in just isn't right. Over the past decades, uh, we've witnessed unthinkable tragedy in our world as well as pain and suffering within our own lives and in the lives of our families. There have been wars fought in, in other countries. Disease has impacted entire communities. And when you look at a map, a map representing all of the school shootings that we've had in our country alone since 2010. It's really impossible to count the dots. You know, these things can cause people to, to question their faith and even doubt God. You know, people ask the big question, why? Why is God allowing tragedy and suffering to happen? You know, these, these examples are, are just in addition to the everyday pain and suffering that's being experienced in individual lives, maybe including yours this morning. I mean, we experience things like illness, injury, abuse, broken relationships. We've all experienced betrayal, sorrow, disappointment, heartache, and death. So maybe you've been asking the big question, why? Why does God allow things like this to happen? Well, today we're going to continue our series, Room for Doubt, and we're going to do so in two parts. We'll have this week's message, and then part two will come next week. And the big question that we're going to address is this, why does God allow tragedy and suffering? You know, I would also say this today, that if you're currently in the midst of one of life's storms, if you're going through a difficult season, yes, uh, sermons can be extremely helpful, but that's not all that we need. My hope for today is that today's message would offer encouragement to you, that it would act as a roadmap that would help you navigate this difficult question. But you also need a friend. You need other believers who can surround you, who can come alongside you and walk with you through the things that you're going through. 
That's so important. It's important that we learn to not struggle alone. You know, a number of years ago, uh, there was a national survey that was taken, and it asked individuals this question. Uh, This question was, what's the one question that you would ask God if you could? And the number one response overwhelmingly was this. People said, why is there suffering in the world? That's, That's the question that people wanted an answer to. You know, if you've never asked this question before, chances are you will when you experience tragedy and suffering in your own life. You see, Jesus said that we would all experience times like this. In John chapter 16, verse 33, we read these words. He says, I have told you all of this so that you may have peace in me. And then he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. What an amazing promise that we can claim today, church, an amazing promise that we can build our lives on. But one thing I want to point out today as familiar as this verse might be. See, Jesus didn't say you might experience trials and sorrows. He said you will experience trials and sorrows. And I think for any of us, the natural question to ask when we experience times like this is why? Why would God allow me to go through something like this? If you were to ask me point blank this morning, if you were to say, Craig, why, why is God allowing something like the coronavirus to spread in the way that it's spreading? I'm going to be honest with you. The only answer that I could really give would consist of three words, and it would be this. I don't know. I honestly don't know. You know, I, I can't stand in the shoes of God and give a complete answer to a question like that, and either, either can you. I don't have God's mind. I don't see with God's eyes. But God does give us his promises through his word that we can stand firm on, that we can build our lives on. One promise is this from the Apostle Paul. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12, we read these words. Now we see things imperfectly. He's saying in this life, we're going to see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then... We will see everything with perfect clarity. It's, a, it's that 2020 vision in the way we see things. He says, All that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. See, when you ask about specific events and you want to know the why behind a particular thing that's happening, For many of those things, we're just not going to have the answer in this life. God's word reminds us that right now, we're only able to see imperfectly, like like puzzling reflections in the mirror. You know, I got out of the shower this morning, and I had to wipe down the mirror because I couldn't see my own reflection in it. I think that's a little bit what, what Paul is talking about here. But someday, we'll see everything with perfect clarity. That's That's the promise. You know, I've experienced tragedy in my own life, things that I wouldn't wish on anybody else. And I know you've experienced tragedy as well. But looking back, you know, I don't think that I needed some big theological essay to help explain why I had to go through difficult seasons like that. In fact, if someone were to approach me and they tried to offer an intellectual response, trying to explain why that particular tragedy had to happen, I think it would have seemed inadequate. You know, sometimes the worst thing that we can do is go to someone who's struggling, go to someone who's hurting, and offer a philosophical answer for why they have to deal with the storms in life. 
See, what they really need, what you and I really need, at least initially, is the real and comforting presence of Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that often comes through how God uses his people. God's word tells us that God comforts us so that we can in turn comfort others with the same kind of comfort that he's given us. And my pastor back in Oklahoma City, uh, Pastor Paul Cunningham, I'll give him a shout out this morning if he's listening. He has shared numerous times with his congregation uh, that we're usually better off, at least in the immediate season of grief, to use fewer words, use fewer words, and just focus on showing more love and compassion towards others who are hurting. He actually calls this just kind of one statement. He says, show up and shut up. Just show up and shut up. You know, what people need is for us to learn to just be present, just to show up. We don't have to have all the right words to say. Sometimes just saying, you know what, I'm sorry, and I love you, and being present, that's, that's what people need initially. So for today's message, instead of asking why God would allow a specific tragedy to happen or why he would allow a person to go through a specific tragedy, in a specific way. You know, I think it's more beneficial for us individually and as the church to focus on the more general question of why does God allow tragedy and suffering as a whole? You see, when we ask this question and when we purposefully go to God's word first for the answers, we're gonna discover some important truths. Let me share an analogy with you this morning that comes from author Lee Strobel. He's a former atheist, also the author of the book, The Case for Christ and The Case for Faith. We've talked about this book uh, over the past few weeks. So this story goes like this. True story, this is what, what Lee shares, that he and his wife, Leslie, they were actually driving up a highway in Wisconsin. What are the odds of that, right? Driving up a highway in Wisconsin, they were driving in the dark when they suddenly encountered heavy rain and dense fog. They couldn't see anything around them. So they could barely see the white stripe that was right outside of their car on the edge of the road. But they couldn't stop uh, for fear that someone would come driving up behind them and would end up rear-ending their vehicle. I mean, this is an intense situation. Maybe you've been in a similar situation. But then a truck appeared in front of them, really just out of nowhere, and they could see that uh, their taillights were brightly lit. And they could also see in front of the truck uh, that they had fog lights shining really brightly through the mist. Because the truck was traveling at a consistent speed, Lee knew that if he could just follow the taillights, if he could just follow the light, they'd be headed in the right direction. You know, the same is true for you and I. In trying to understand why there's tragedy and suffering in our own lives and in our world. See, we might not be able to understand all of the details for why we have to go through a specific season, a specific tragedy, or why we have to suffer in a specific way. But there are some key biblical truths. And for these two messages, we're going to call these points of light that we find in God's word. These are truths that if we build our lives on, they're gonna help us navigate this road of life. If we'll take the time to reflect on these truths before the storms of life come, we're gonna be better able, better equipped to trust God through the difficult seasons. So what are those points of light? That's an important question. You know, this morning, I wanna talk about two of them. Today is gonna be part one of this message and the next week will be part two. Today we'll talk about two of these points of light, these two truths, and then next week we'll look at three. Again, these are truths that are going to help us 
address this question, why does God allow tragedy and suffering? So if you're taking notes this morning or if you're following along with the video, the first point of light is this, that God is not the creator of evil. God is not the creator of evil. Before we go on, I want to give a quick shout out to Sherea. She actually uh, wrote all the letters, the words, everything on the board here because my handwriting is terrible. So thank you, Sherea. So God is not the creator of evil. You know, one question that we often hear is this. Why didn't God just create a world where human tragedy and human suffering didn't exist? You know, the right answer to that question is this. He did. In fact, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, we read these words. Then God looked over all he had made, and he saw that it was very good. See, God didn't create the world with human suffering. So if God is not the author of human tragedy, evil, or or death, where did these things come from? We have to keep in mind that God has always existed as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. One God in three persons who are united in a relationship of perfect love. See, love is essential to the very nature of God. When God decided to create human beings in his own image, he wanted us to experience real love as well. Love for God and love for one another. And to give us the ability to love, God also had to give us the ability to choose. He gave us the freedom to decide not to love. Why is that? Well, it's because genuine love always involves free choice. Genuine love always involves free choice. See, if you were programmed to say, I love you, that wouldn't really be love. If I was programmed to go home from work every day and tell my wife that I love her, tell my kids that I love them, if you were programmed to do the same with your spouse, a friend, relatives, that wouldn't really be love. It's kind of like those, those dolls that kids play with that have the string on the back. You pull the string, and then it says something in response. It says, I love you. Or, you know, my favorite one is Woody from the Toy Story. I love that movie. I grew up watching Toy Story, and now my kids are watching it. But you pull the string on the back of Woody, and he says, you're my favorite deputy. It's a little bit of my Oklahoma accent coming out for you. See, when you pull the string on the doll, it says, I love you, or you're my favorite deputy, or some other response that it's been programmed to say. Now, as a side note, I don't think these toys are legal anymore. I actually think they outlawed them because kids can choke on them. So if you have one, you might want to think about getting rid of it. But the question is this, does does that doll really love whoever pulls the cord? Of course not. It was programmed to say those words. It was programmed to respond in a certain way. For the doll to experience genuine love, real love, it would have to have the ability to choose to love or not to love. See, in order for us to experience real love, God gave us free will. But unfortunately, as humans, we've abused our free will by rejecting God and by rejecting his design for our lives. And that rejection, that rebellion, has resulted in the introduction of two kinds of evil into the world. We have what's called moral evil, and we have what's called natural evil. Let's talk about those for just a moment. Moral evil is the first. This results from the immoral choices that people make, choices that you make and choices that I make. You see, when we choose to be selfish, We choose to be arrogant, uncaring, unforgiving, hateful, or abusive. The Bible calls these things sin. 
See, suffering is a natural consequence. And unfortunately, moral evil is something that affects all of us. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, we read these words, For everyone has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. See, so much of the world's tragedy and suffering that people experience is actually a result from the sinful action or inaction of ourselves and others. Let me give you one example. When people look around the world and they see famine and devastation, they wonder, where is God in the midst of these things? But in reality, the world produces enough food each and every day for every person to have enough. You see, it's our own irresponsibility, our own self-centeredness, our selfishness that prevents others from being fed. So it, it, It's not fair for us to look around the world and, and see these things and then blame them on God when people continue to suffer. It's our fault. And that would be just one example of moral evil. And then you have another kind of evil that's called natural evil. We've all experienced this. This is things like wildfires, uh, earthquakes, tsunamis, tornadoes, especially if you're from Oklahoma this time of year, hurricanes. These are all things that cause tragedy and suffering. Again, it's important to understand that these things are also the indirect result of human sin. Genesis chapter 3 makes it clear that there's a curse on creation and that this curse is a result of human sin against God. See, at the fall, nature itself became corrupted. In the New Testament, the apostle Paul addresses this. In Romans 8 verse 22, he says this, For we all know... That all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. So in other words, Paul is saying nature longs to be made perfect again. God's creation longs to be made perfect again. But for now, it's in a fallen state. It's in a fallen condition. See, when man rejected God's design in the garden, the earth was cursed. Uh, suffering and death became an unavoidable part of the human experience. It's unavoidable. It's important for us to to know today, though, that God did not create evil. He, He didn't create evil, and human tragedy and suffering were never something that God desired. For those of us who are parents, and I know there are many of you out there watching today, maybe your grandparents as well, even before your children were born, you understood that there was a very real possibility that they would experience disappointment in their life, that they would experience pain and heartache, or on the other side of the coin, that they might make decisions that end up hurting you as the parent. But knowing all of those things beforehand, you, you still decided to have kids. Why is that? You decided to have kids because you knew that there was also the, the extremely high potential for tremendous joy Joy that comes from being a parent. Deep love as you raise your children and a wonderful relationship with your kids as you raise them up to send them out into the world. This analogy is certainly far from perfect, but think about God as our Heavenly Father for a moment. See, he knew with certainty that we would rebel against him. He knew that we were going to make poor choices, but he also knew that many people would choose to follow him, that many people would choose to, a relationship with him. See, ultimately, it was worth it to God to to create us with, with human freedom, even though he also knew that it would cost him his own son on the cross. 
It would cost his own son great pain, suffering, and even death when he went to the cross for our sake. So as we address this important question, why does God allow tragedy and suffering? It's helpful to be reminded that God did not create evil. That's the first point of light. The second one is this. If you're taking notes, uh, though suffering is not good, God can use it to accomplish good. Though suffering is not good, God can use it to accomplish good. It's a little bit bigger of a word. (laughs) Though suffering is not good, God can use it to accomplish good. Romans chapter 8, verse 28. This is an amazing promise as well that we can build our lives on. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Now notice what this verse doesn't say. This verse does not say that God causes evil and suffering. But it does say that he promises to cause good to emerge. This verse also doesn't say that we're going to immediately be able to see how God causes good to emerge. I think some people have that that belief that we read this verse and then, you know, tomorrow morning they're going to wake up and they're going to see how God has chosen to bring good out of a bad situation. And that's that's not the promise. Remember back to 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13 verse 12 when when Paul says we're we're only going to see things dimly in this world. But someday we'll th- we'll see things with clarity. It's like getting out of the shower, wiping off the mirror, You can't see it first, but then it's like putting on the glasses. You can see with 20-20 vision. Someday, we're going to see things with clarity. We might not even see how God chooses to bring good out of our bad situation in this life. I think as followers of Jesus, that's something that we have to learn to be okay with. Also notice that, that God doesn't make this promise to everyone. This promise is only for those who are committed to following Jesus. It's for those who love God and live their lives for God. The Old Testament gives us a great example of this truth through the story of Joseph. So Joseph is a guy who had a lot of tragedy, a lot of suffering in his life. You think back, he was sold into slavery at a young age by his brothers. His own brothers did that to him. He was wrongly accused of a crime, and then he was falsely imprisoned. And finally, after about a dozen years, God put him in a position with a lot of authority. His life was changing a little bit. And what Joseph decided to do was to use that position of authority to honor God by saving the lives of his family and by the uh, the lives of many others who were in need. See, after all these things happened, here's what Joseph had to say when he was reunited with his brothers. After all of this time passed, after undoubtedly knowing and, and, and remembering what they had done to him, here's how Joseph chose to respond. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, you intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so that I could save the lives of many people. You know, if you know Jesus today, if you're committed to living your life by God's design, then this is so encouraging See, God promises that he can and he will take whatever pain you're experiencing and he can draw something good out of it. Now, if you're wrestling with doubt today, if you hear this promise and you think, you know, my life has just been too difficult, I don't think that God could take what I have experienced, what I've dealt with, and bring something good out of that, I want you to seriously consider this thought. 
See, God took the very worst thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe, the horrific and undeserved death of his own son on the cross, and he was able to turn it into the very best thing that has ever happened in the history of the universe. So if God can take the very worst circumstance imaginable and then turn it into the very best situation possible, couldn't he also take the negative circumstances in your life and bring about something good? I believe that he can, and I believe that he will. See, God can use our suffering to draw us closer to himself. He can use the trials and the suffering in our lives to to mold and sharpen our character. He can use those things to help us realize how much we need him on a day-to-day basis. And he can also use those things to use our lives to influence others. Remember, God comforts us so that we can in turn comfort others. I believe that God can and, and that we, he will draw something good from our pain if we patiently and persistently trust and follow him. So next week, we're going to wrap up this message, and we're going to do so by looking at three more points of light. These are truths from God's word that can help us as we address this important question. Why does God allow tragedy and suffering in the world? But church, today we can be reminded of two truths, truths that we can build our lives on, promises that we can build our lives on. Number one, God is not the creator of evil. That's so important to remember. And number two, though suffering is not good, God can use it to accomplish good. There's always purpose in our pain. God has a plan. 